0: I'm going to begin reading with verse 17, and we'll read through chapter 3, verse 5. 1 Thessalonians 2, 17. But since we are torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person but not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again... And again, but Satan hindered us, for what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, and we would pray this morning that as we open your word, that you would open our hearts We pray, Father, that you would help us to understand. We pray, Father, that you would prepare us for the battle that we are engaged in day after day with the forces of evil. We pray, Father, that you would guide and direct us, help us to stand strong, to stand firm, and to not give in to temptation. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I've entitled the message, Paul's battle with Satan. Over in Acts, the 19th chapter, we have the story of seven sons of Sceva who were itinerant uh, Jewish exorcists. And they went around somehow casting, trying to cast demons out of individuals. And they saw how the demons responded to Paul's ministry when Paul would command them to come out of someone in the name of Jesus. So they thought there was some magic formula there. And so they tried it. They said, we adjure you in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches to come out. The demons answered through the man and they said, Jesus I know and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man got up and beat up all seven of them, and they went running out of the house. That's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. (laughs) The demons, the forces of Satan, are aware of the Apostle Paul. There's a battle that continues to go on today. Sometimes we see it very clearly. Uh, This week, we sent out a prayer request from one of our partners, Benny Matthews. I don't know whether you saw it or not, but he was asking for urgent prayer on behalf of three of his co-workers. Uh, They were holding a meeting preaching Jesus, and a group of extremists barged in and stopped the meeting. The three pastors were taken into police custody. And arrested. When they arrived at the police station, and over the next few hours, hundreds of religious extremists surrounded the police stations. Uh, Benny and the leaders that work with him begged for the men to be released, but the police were unwilling, feeling, or at least they were saying, they were keeping the men locked up for their own safety, and to keep them away from the angry crowd. Uh, The pastors were charged with paying people to convert to Christianity. A false charge. They had raised someone up who said that these men had offered to him money if he would uh, leave his religion and follow after Christ. See, in India, in that province, it's against the law for you to try to convert someone from the religion that they follow to another religion. Benny asked that we would continue to pray for these three men and that the authorities would even allow the lawyers from Alpha Ministries to defend these men Otherwise, these men could end up in prison for a long time based on false testimony. Matter of fact, let's pause right now and pray for them. Father, we pray for these three pastors, Pastor Nathan and Pastor Nang and Pastor Chatter. Father, we pray that you will be there with them. We pray that you will encourage them. Father, we pray that they would get a fair trial. We pray, Father, that they would soon be released so that they can go back to their families. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now we are commanded in the Scriptures to be aware of our enemy. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, in verse 11, Paul wrote, that, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. And in 1 Peter 5 eight, Peter tells us, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. In Ephesians chapter 6 and 11 and 12, we are reminded, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic power over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5, we're told, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. The Apostle Paul was very much aware of the battle that he was engaging against Satan. And so this morning, I want to look at this passage through the lens of seeing this struggle between Satan and the Apostle Paul. And the first thing I want us to consider as way of background, it's not in our passage, but I think it gives us background to this struggle that is going on. I want us to think about the thorn. The thorn. Let that sink in for a moment. A thorn. Have you ever had a thorn like that pierce you? Some of you have. I have not had a thorn like that pierce me. I can remember as a child on a couple of occasions when I was visiting my cousins in, in West Virginia that we were running around their house and they had some type of building projects going on and I stepped on an exposed nail right into the arch of my foot. That was very painful. Well, the Apostle Paul, as way of background, has a constant prick into him of a thorn. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 7, Paul says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. The thorn Paul is dealing with constantly. Paul tells us that this thorn is a messenger of Satan. Now think of that. Constantly, Paul is reminded that there is a messenger of Satan coming up against him. He is constantly aware of this thorn, this thorn that is always there. This thorn that he tells us has come from Satan, it's a messenger of Satan, and it's there to harass him. It's a harassment, this thorn. Now the word that's used for harassment is a word that is also used to mean to slap in the face. So Paul says, I constantly have this thorn that it's slapping me in the face all the time. Wherever I go, whatever I do, I'm being harassed by Satan. Have you ever been harassed by someone? Have you ever had someone who just picks, 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 and seems to take great joy in picking at you? Now, don't look at your wife or your husband right now. (laughs) Now, I have to admit, I have been accused of picking at times at my wife and not quitting when I should. But the, 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 this is different. <laughs> I do it out of love for my wife. <laughs> okay. Satan does it as a harassment to constantly harass the Apostle Paul. Now, we do not know for sure what this thorn was. Paul never tells us. And I think that's on purpose because Satan will work in different ways with different people. But Paul has this thorn in the flesh that is constantly slapping him around. Secondly, I want us to consider from our passage a roadblock. A roadblock. Look at verse 18. In verse 18... Paul says this, he says, because we wanted to come to you, Uh, Paul tells us in verse 17 that he was torn away from the, remember there was persecution that had come into Thessalonica, so Paul had to leave for his own safety. And he says, I've been torn away from you for a short time. Remember, 1 Thessalonians is written about a year after the Apostle Paul had been in the city of Thessalonica. So he says, I've been pulled away from you for a short time in person, but not in my heart. He says, we have endeavored as a team, we have endeavored with great desire to get there to see you. Face to face, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but notice those next words. But Satan hindered us. Actually, those words, hindered us, are words that are used for a roadblock. A roadblock. It's, it's used of breaking up a road so that it's impossible to travel over it. It is also used of a person that's in a race that cuts in on somebody else and will not let them get around them. Cuts them off and then keeps them in that position. So they are blocking them from where they want to go. In the case of a race, they are blocking them from letting them finish ahead of them. Uh, Maybe you've done that once or twice in your car. You see someone driving along, and you're not happy with something that they've done, and you cut them off, and you pin them in so that they can't get around you, and you increase their rage and your rage. Uh, Our police officers would tell us that's what we call road rage. And that's not something that we should be doing even when we're tempted to do it. Now, sometimes we do it accidentally. Uh, a few years ago, my son and I were headed down to Belden Village Mall, and it was near the Christmas time, and I didn't. he was driving, I'm in the passenger seat, and we didn't recognize how far backed up the traffic was trying to get off at that exit. So, by the time we realized it, I said to him, I said, okay, Brian, I'm going to watch, and when I see an opportunity, you just cut it to the right. So we did, and we got right in the line, and we got off. We put a block. We cut someone off. Unfortunately, as one of our church members, (laughs) actually in my Bible study at home, And we were studying grace at the time. And our assignment was that we were to show grace to one another. And so she informed me at the next Bible study that she had done her act of showing grace. It was given to me when I cut her off. Satan here is putting up a roadblock so that Paul is not able... To go through. So, this roadblock we see it is placed by Satan. Satan has blocked the Apostle Paul from doing what he desires to do. And we see in the passage as well that he blocks Paul again and again, over and over again. As Paul makes plans to go there, Satan blocks him. And makes it so the Apostle Paul cannot get to Thessalonica. So we've seen a thorn. We see a roadblock. And now I want us to consider a fruit. A fruit. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5, look at our passage and what it says. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. So what do you think of when you think of the word temptation? My mind goes back to the Garden of Eden. My mind goes back to where God gave Adam and Eve permission to eat of every tree in the garden but one. And yet that's the one that they were tempted by Satan, to up. So as Paul is concerned for the believers in Thessalonica that the evil one, the tempter, Satan, has come to those in the church and has tempted them and gotten them off course. He is concerned about their spiritual welfare there. Satan is the source of the temptation. And Satan is active in temptation. Have you ever noticed that? That Satan doesn't give up? He is very persistent. Now, so I had to ask myself the question. So I was looking at this. So I'm considering the thorn So I'm considering the roadblock, as I'm considering the fruit of temptation, how does Satan harass, block, and tempt us? Remember in 2 Corinthians 2.11, we were told that we are not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. So how do the Scriptures tell us that Satan works, works to block us, works to tempt us, works to bring about thorns in our flesh. Well, as I look through the Scriptures, I found nine different ways that Satan goes about his work. Number one, in John chapter 8, in verse 44, he uses his children. You are of the father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. Jesus is talking to the religious leaders there who claim to be the sons of Abraham. But Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. So the devil, Satan uses his children to help accomplish his purposes. Another way that Satan works is he lies. Once again, John chapter 8, verse 44. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Where do lies come from? They come from Satan, the evil one. And that's Satan, that's one of the ways that Satan works. He will lie about God's servants. Matter of fact, he will lie about everything. I probably shouldn't say this, but he's a bigger liar than our politicians. He inspires lies that are told. Not only does he lie, but he murders, once again from John 8, 44. He was a murderer from the beginning. He is the one who inspired Cain to kill his brother Abel. He's a murderer. Number four, he tempts people to sin. 2 Corinthians eleven three. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning... Your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. He tempts people to sin. Number five, he blinds unbelievers. He blinds them. 2 Corinthians 4.4 The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Have you ever wondered why some people just can't get it? They just can't see the truth of the gospel? Satan is at work blinding them. Number six, he comes as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 to 15. For even Satan disguises himself, As an angel of light. If Satan were to appear here this morning, he would not be coming in here all red with horns and a pitchfork in his hands. He would come in here as the most attractive, the most charismatic, the most friendly individual that you could imagine. He might even appear as an angel to us an angel of light. He disguises himself. Number seven, he accuses believers. Revelation twelve ten. for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. Satan is in the business of accusing people. Just as these three pastors are unjustly being accused in India, it is Satan who is behind it. Number eight, he causes some sickness and disease. Acts ten thirty-eight. He went about, speaking of Jesus, Peter is preaching, he went about doing good in healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Now, some sickness and disease. Not all sin and not all sickness and disease is directly attributed to Satan. Uh, Some of it is because we have fallen, we have disobeyed God, and because of sin that's come upon. But Satan is involved in some sickness and in disease, oppressing individuals. And then number nine, he inspires wicked thoughts. In the sin that Ananias and Sapphira committed against the church, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? We're not to be ignorant of the devices of Satan. Look at those nine ways in which he works. He uses his children. He lies. He murders. He tempts people to sin. He blinds unbelievers. He comes as an angel of light. He accuses believers. He causes some sickness and disease, and he inspires wicked thoughts. That is how Satan works. That is how he harasses us. That's how he tempts us. That's how he puts roadblocks before us. That is how he works to thwart the work of God. But do not be dismayed because there is victory in Christ. Amen. 1 John 2 4, or two fourteen. There, John writes, I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the Word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself partook. Of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur. While the beast and the false prophet, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. There is victory in Jesus. Now, let's see how that worked out in the life of the Apostle Paul. We talked about, first of all, remember the thorn. The thorn that the Apostle Paul was constantly dealing with. He was slapped around by Satan, harassed. Paul tells us the outcome of the thorn. The thorn keeps Paul humble. See, Paul was given such great revelations. It would have been easy for the Apostle Paul to become conceited and puffed up. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 in verse 7, we're told this. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me. For what reason? To keep me from becoming conceited. See, what Satan meant To harass the Apostle Paul. What Satan meant to defeat the Apostle Paul, God used to keep Paul from getting too puffed up. To keep him humble. So in that case, Satan doesn't win. God wins. Well, what about the roadblock? What about the block that is put there? Was it successful in thwarting God's work and in thwarting even the Apostle Paul from doing what God wanted him to do? The answer is no. Let me give you five reasons it didn't work. Number one, Paul writes 1 Thessalonians that we're studying today. Number two, Paul sends Timothy to them. Paul, remember he said he couldn't come himself, but when he could bear it no longer, he decided he would send Timothy, young Timothy that he's training, and this aids in the training of Timothy, who is going to become a very effective servant of the Lord. Number three, the Apostle Paul is left behind by his companions in the city of Athens, And there he preaches that great message on Mars Hill about the unknown God. And people in Athens come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Number four, because Paul couldn't join them in Thessalonica, he goes on to the city of Corinth. And there a church is founded in Corinth, and many people come. To follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then number five, though he did not get there when he wanted to get there, ultimately the Apostle Paul does return to Thessalonica and sees the believers there. So Satan puts up his roadblock, he breaks up the road before Paul, and notice how God overcomes that roadblock and accomplishes greatness for his glory well how about the fruit how about that temptation where the apostle Paul was very concerned at the end of verse 5 in in chapter 3 that the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain well The victory comes there, too, because those in Thessalonica do not fall for the temptation. They do not eat of that fruit. Look at verse 6 of chapter 3, what Paul writes there. But now that Timothy has come to us, Timothy's come back and said, okay, here's the report, has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. They didn't fall for the temptation that was put before them. So the victory in Christ in each of these situations. The thorn keeps Paul humble... The roadblock allows other accomplishments to be made. And the fruit is not eaten. They do not give in to the temptation. Now let's make a couple practical applications here in wrapping things up. First of all, if you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Satan desires to blind you to the truth. Satan's desire is to keep you from putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the one and only way of salvation. Recognize that this morning. For those of us as believers, as we are sharing with others who do not know Christ, remember it is a spiritual battle. And we're not going to win it with our wisdom. We're not going to win it with our strength we are not going to win it with our arguments. It is the Word of God. It is the Word of God that is sharper than any two-edged sword. And so we use that. And we don't get upset. We don't get mad. We share the truth and let God, through His Spirit, do the work. Remember, each of us, that Satan desires to destroy us. Because man is created in the image of God, Satan hates man, and he wants to destroy us. As believers, he doubly hates us because we have given our allegiance to the kingdom of God. We are citizens of heaven. We are following the one who ultimately triumphs. And not only does he triumph in the future, But he's not going to be defeated here and now. Greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. So let's recognize the struggle. Let's recognize the battle. Let's be aware that temptations will come. But let's keep our sights on our Savior, who will always win and who will ultimately set up his kingdom here on earth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the clarity of your word. We pray that you would help us to be aware that we are involved in a battle. But you are our commander-in-chief, and you will lead us to victory. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.